Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of Holy Family in St. Lawrence in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Dana Rhoda, and like always, I will be your host. Um, but with me, I have two special guests. I have Sister Therese Marie and Sister Magnificat from the Handmaids of the Heart of Jesus. How are you two doing today? Hey, we're doing great. It's a glorious day outside, so it's really easier to be happy today. Yeah. Yeah. Good to be here. I've never done the podcast before, so it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for joining us. And Sister Tresmarie, you joined us once before, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, with Sister Marie Joseph. Yes, yep. We were talking about saints. And um, uh, something that I learned from that is that everyone or all the handmaids have like a title after your name. And if I remember correctly, it's Sister Tresmarie of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Okay. What is your Sister Magnificat? So my full name is Sister Magnificat Maria of the Merciful Heart of Jesus. Okay. Um, and I was named um, right before the Year of Mercy started. So that was uh, one of the reasons Mother chose that title for me. Okay. So. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, th- that was, like, once I learned that, I was like, I was like, now I need to know everybody's title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a and, lot, so yeah. good luck. Um, so that was super cool. Um, all right, well. Before we get started, Sister Therese Marie, would you lead us in a prayer? Of course. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit to be with all of our parishioners and those who are listening. We ask you to be with them and to continue guiding them, especially in these weeks of the coronavirus. We ask you to strengthen us with your hope and um, a deep knowledge of your presence in this time And we um, entrust all of the listeners today to our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. Thank you so much, sister. Um, Yeah, so thank you again for joining me today. Um, It's it's great to have you. Father Eli is out of town on vacation. Um, (laughs) Probably a much needed vacation after the first you know couple (laughs) weeks of us. (laughs) God bless him. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's great to have you on. And um, we have uh, some questions. I was thinking like, okay, we have the sisters on, so now we can ask like some really hard questions, right? Because Uh (laughs) because you know. I don't think anybody can be be mad mad at religious sisters, and so, right? You can say whatever like the the most harsh thing, and they're like, "Oh, but it's a sister, so it's okay." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, hopefully, I... we're at least approachable <laughs> for people. <laughs> um, no, just kidding. You can we... ask us anything. <laughs> anybody you might not answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's a that's a fair like caveat. Like you can ask us anything, but mm-hmm. we're not going to answer anything. <laughs> um, well, here maybe um, a couple, um, maybe something just to start us off was what have the handmaids been up to this summer? That's a great question. Um, so Sister Tres Marie and Sister Marie Joseph stayed in Duluth this summer. Most of the summer, they were gone a couple weeks. She can tell you about that. Um, and then two of our sisters from New Ulm joined them, um, so that it wasn't just the two of them in the house, because that that's kind of what Sister Tres Marie and I are experiencing this week, and it's um, just not normal, you know, we're used to living in communities. So um, having four sisters is um, a blessing. So Sister Teresa Rose came up and then Sister Anastasia came up for Duluth and they're no longer in Duluth anymore. Um, But they were, yeah, just doing um, things around the parish as normal. Um, Myself, 
and three other sisters, including Sister Magdalena and Sister Mary Elizabeth, um, were living in St. Paul for the summer, and we were taking classes through St. Thomas. Um, we're earning our master's in Catholic studies. Um, so this is our third summer. So it was, yeah, it was it was an awesome, blessed time. So maybe I can share about that a little later. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was, um, I was, I was thinking about that when I was kind of reflecting on it because I was like, yeah, when there's just two of you up here, it's got to be weird because you're not on your normal, I guess maybe you're <laughs> yeah. still on your normal schedule, but then it's right. not the normal, like, people. It's just not, like, the, the routine, right? It is the routine, but that's, I think, what makes it awkward. Like, we're, you know, we still chant our prayers, which is so beautiful, but, like, it's just one voice on one side because we, we go back and forth on oh, the two sure, sides. Yeah. So it's just, like, you're just singing by yourself, and you're like, I really hope I don't mess up or have to yawn or have to sneeze because this is going to be really awkward. <laughs> um, but then also, like, with meals and stuff, we still do our meals in, uh, in community, but when it's the two of us, we're just like, hey, we're here together again, just you and I. And um, But it's also it's also a blessing because we get to know each other in a, in a deeper way, so that's beautiful too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. So, Sister Teresmarie, you've just been kind of kind of same old, same old a little bit? Yeah, um, the sisters, they've been, we've been really blessed to be at a lot of the masses over the weekends and um, to see a lot of people at, uh, at mass. And we've also been able to go on different hikes around town, um, experiencing the beauty of the summer of Duluth. We also um, spend some time at the Rose Garden and the Lake Walk. So many um, locals have experienced encounters with handmaids, which were delightful. Um, we also stopped off at um, a few grad parties to say hi to our graduates. Um, and what else? We've yep, spent just meeting different families, having them, having dinner with them. Um, other than that, it's been pretty low-key for the coronavirus summer. But it's been a gift just to see people again um, here and there and um, just yeah, reconnect again. And I've also been ha- having the privilege to make a lot of different phone calls um, and with different families. Um, so it's been, yeah, extra special getting to know people, even um, though they're not able to be with us sometimes. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, and recently, wasn't just last week that um, you all went down to New Ulm for, yeah. I'm trying to, when the, is it postulants? Yep. When they, so they make their first vows? So they. Or, yeah. Um, Explain that to me. Yeah, yeah. So we make our first vows after three years of being in formation. So um, our postulants are um, postulants for one year. Um, So I don't know if anyone has seen them around and they um, wear just the skirt and the black vest and they have hair and (laughs) um, they don't have the veil yet. Um, So then after a year, we have a ceremony. We call it the investiture ceremony. Um, where they receive their habit, and then they receive their new name, and they start the novitiate. And so they're a novice for two years then before first vows. Um, So we had five postulants receive their habit and their new names. Um, So that was really beautiful. It's just a private ceremony, so it's just us um, and the bishop. And um, so it's just really uh, this intimate um, experience and, and really beautiful to see our community growing. And it's like the excitement of the new life. Um, one of the things that's really awesome is, like, we don't know what their names are going to be. Um, and they might know, and, and Mother knows, because Mother's the one who names them, and they might um, have talked to Mother about it. But otherwise, like, it's just a complete surprise for all of us. And 
Um, so that's really fun. It's yeah, it's a really it's one of my favorite days um, in the convent. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And then right after receiving their new names, um, their habits, and their titles, they get to go on an eight-day silent retreat. And so our sisters will be finishing that up in a day or two. Um, so it's beautiful to have that sacred space to process like your new identity as a handmaid. Um, so keep them in your prayers also as mm -hmm. they transition into the novitiate. Yeah, that's awesome. I know um, there's, well, one of the sisters that I guess I don't know her name now, but I knew Sister her. Sister Maria Luz. Maria Luz. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Someone, yeah. Um, we went to UMD together. Um, yeah. Which I, get, I didn't know her super well. Um, when we were at school together, because she she had her conversion when I I was probably like a senior. Yeah, she um, entered the church. Um, I think her junior year of college. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so that was kind of right as I was leaving. I think that I just had like a, one more semester to go, mm -hmm. and then um, and then she became a missionary with Focus. I think her first year was my last year. Okay. So we just kind of crossed paths there also. So yeah, it's cool to see her. Yeah. Just on her journey from afar. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's great. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And then um, we also have a sister who will be living with us in Duluth. Her name's Sister Bernadette, and she will be making her first vows on August 22nd. So we'll go down to Nuam okay. again for that. Um, so that's, yeah, again, just a really beautiful mm -hmm. ceremony. It's a, it's a public um, ceremony, um, but unfortunately this year with COVID, we've had to kind of restrict the invitations, um, kind of like the ordinations have been this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, still really beautiful. Yeah, and so um, that will be when she gets her like the black band, right? Yes. Okay, and and that just uh, signifies the first vows. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So um, in the tradition of the church, um, it's a long-standing tradition that a lot of uh, religious communities would have a white veil while they were novices, and then when they took vows, they would take the black veil. Um, and our community, we have a white veil, um, even for professed, but the black, the black and white band across our face that kind of distinguishes whether we're professed or okay. novices. So, yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. super cool. Um, I think one, one question that I have for you is how, how was the transition going from maybe just like to a certain extent, just like a lay person to mm -hmm. like entering religious life and mm -hmm. i mean it's not like the one day you just like gave it gave everything up because there's still like there's a lot of years of formation before you're like really like i guess have that final commitment correct yeah um in some ways yes when it comes to like you know legally handing over our you know um our any money we might have or anything like that. Um, that happens like in the later stages. Um, but for all of the girls who join, when they join, it's different than like a man entering seminary because yeah. seminarian keeps his phone, he keeps his car, he keeps, you know, all of these things. Um, he keeps in contact with his family as he desires. Um, but when a woman joins, it is a very... Um, yeah, it's, it's like you're just, you're kind of cut off from the world. Um, but I remember the day I entered, like, I was like, here you go, mom, here's my phone. Like, and I was so happy. I was like, just to like be rid of um, some of these things. I was just so freeing. Um, and, and so there's definitely like a grace, like not everyone is called to give up these things and they're not yeah. evil in themselves. Um, obviously they're a good, but um, 
but in choosing the life, um, there's like a lot of freedom that comes with it. And that's a, a grace of God. So, um, yeah, like saying goodbye to Facebook, saying goodbye to, you know, shopping and um, things like that can be a death. Um, but it's something that actually brings new life, um, which can take time for some girls. Um, as yeah. they, as they it took time for me. <laughs> <laughs> I kept my cell phone up until like I left the vehicle that my parents dropped me off at the common with, and I was just like, "Okay, mom, here you go." Like, <laughs> I took my last text to my best friends and be like, "I love you so much." Um, but no, the, yeah, like she said, there's a lot of grace and a purification in that, and um, it's beautiful because all of these. Um, I was a focused missionary right before I entered the convent, so I felt like I had a lot of young women that I was walking with in their journey of faith. And so I was like, mm-hmm. how are they going to continue knowing the Lord if I don't ask them, like, have you been to confession recently? <laughs> um, and so I just had to learn, oh, like, I have a spiritual mother heart for these women. And by me falling in love with the Lord and saying yes to him and just being with him and loving him, like, that's actually going to be a greater gift for those women um, whether I keep in touch with them or not, I can actually love them more deeply and I can pray for them whenever they come on my heart. And so that's actually the greatest gift that I could give those young women. Um, and so I, I came to learn um, through that experience of, of it's actually growing in a, in a love that's deeper than um, just like shooting them a text once in a while, how are you doing? Um, so, yeah. And then it's even that much more greater if you get a letter from them and mm-hmm. the gift that is for, you know, being in touch yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, how how often are you able to see your family? Is it like once a year? Or? Um, yeah, so it's once a year for sisters who live further away that they would go home um, to visit their families around Thanksgiving. Um, and then for those of us who are a little bit more local, we do a shorter visit at Thanksgiving, and then we can have one other visit during the year um, where we would go home. Um, but then there's also days where the families get to come to the convent, which is yeah. uh, really exciting because then all of our families get to meet each other, which is really fun, yeah. um, and kind of you know grow up together. Um, some of the nieces and nephews um, will see each other, you know, multiple times a year, and kind of feels like cousins, you know. So that's that's really fun too. Um, yeah, and then we can write to our families, you know, whenever uh, we want, and we call our parents on their birthdays and uh, Christmas, Easter, things like that. So. Yeah, yeah. I find that um, for my sister now, who is just newly married and has um, a a job and everything, um, and she lives now four hours away from my parents, um, you know, I probably see my parents almost as much as my sister Tori does. Um, So it's like kind of when we when we leave the house and we enter our vocation, and we really have to have to choose to say yes to something new, and um, our parents. Yeah, they're so important. They're so um, much a part of our life. But um, when we enter the comet, it takes on a, a deeper spiritual level, I would say, uh, where I pray I pray for my parents now and my family now more than I ever would when just seeing them on a daily basis, which is, yeah, yeah just a different relationship with them, but, but deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, I, I think that would be, I mean, that would be difficult for me if I was in that like Mm -hmm. situation but I think that would be Mm -hmm. difficult for like my parents (laughs) was that was that like a difficult thing for for the two of you yeah it's it's very situational depending on the sisters families and and I found even for myself um my parents we have very faithful 
practicing Catholics, and I have a brother that's a seminarian and a brother that's a religious brother. So I thought it would be easier for my parents to say, oh, like, I'm proud of your vocation. And right away, they actually um, were kind of, it was like a, a death experience. And they're like, oh, like, they, they, they were going to have to give me up to the church and not have me as their daughter in a specific way again. And so um, it took them a few more years to actually really kind of grasp, like, the gift that, um, that a religious vocation is, especially yeah. with their daughter. And so, um, yeah, it's very surprising. Every sister kind of goes through different um, stages with their with their family, whether they understand their vocation or not. It's actually a mystery, so it's not to be understood. <laughs> but um, but sometimes it just takes some time and a couple of years. And as the parents, they meet the sisters and they meet other parents, and they see the joy that we have and um, the gift that it is. Like it just um, it shows through the years. And um, yeah, so it's it becomes a, a huge blessing for them. It just might take them a little longer than um, than you want, in a sense, as a, yeah. as a religious sister. So, But there's, a, yeah, a lot of grace there for the families, and, and it's actually a sacrifice on their part as oh, well. Yeah. So for us to say yes to the Lord, we're actually asking them to say yes also, and, and that can be very difficult, but also a lot of grace in that. Yeah, there's this principle that um, I heard maybe my first year of the convent, and it just really helped me of, like, the best thing I can do for my family is to do God's will. Um, the best thing that I can do for my friends or for anyone I know is to really seek the Lord first and put him first in my life. And um, and then everything else, like he will take care of everything else. Um, but it takes a lot of faith. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, Lord, I'm going to walk away from this in, in a particular way. And I trust that you're going to provide in some way um, something even greater than what I could, than what I could cling to myself. Um, and I think the greater gift of all of this, um, I guess, I don't know how you describe it, this kind of this distance that you have from your friends and family, like the greater good of it is you actually experience the world as your family. Like no matter if I meet a stranger in Lincoln Park or a parishioner that I know really, really well, either way, I actually have the capacity in my heart to love them in a way that I'm not just only meant to love one, you know, my parents or just my, my, you know, spouse or whatever. Like, um, since I've been given to the Lord, his whole, the whole world is actually like a part of our heart now that we mm-hmm. we're called to love. And so, so that's the greater good of just like, we're, we're saying yes to something greater in all of these new relationships, whether we see them again or not. Um, we actually have a, a capacity in our heart to receive mm-hmm. them in a way that, um, that our blessed mother would have received so many people um, in the world also. And so we get to walk as her daughters and, and love, um, yeah, humanity and humankind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Mother Mary Claire will often tell the families of the new sisters joining, like, you're not losing a daughter, you're just gaining 30 more. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of that it, that it expands um, our families um, all the more. Yeah. Yeah, well, and... I mean, I've, I've kind of always thought of the community aspect. I mean, that's something that, like, when I was in Focus, that's something that I, like, loved. And that's probably the thing that I missed the most was mm-hmm. the friends that I made and just, mm-hmm. like, the community that was there. And um, and I was like, that's got to be just, I mean, maybe sometimes it's, you know, a thorn in your side. But for the most part, I, I could see that being such an awesome part of religious life is just having these, I mean, like, all of these different, like, sisters that like it's not just like a religious sister but like an actual sister yeah 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 absolutely it's like community life is one of the greatest gifts of religious life um 
you know, that you look at um, Jesus, he, t- he chose 12 apostles and they lived in community together and they were very different from each other. Um, you had, yeah. you know, the zealot and you had the fisherman and um, you had the tax collector and all of these different personalities come together and, um, and they had to learn how to love each other. So you sen- sometimes see them kind of bickering back and forth or getting jealous of each other and this kind of thing. Um, but again, like Jesus set it up this way, and this is the church too. So we're meant to be um, really like a model for what is what is friendship, what is sisterhood, brotherhood um, within the wider family of the church, and what does that look like? How can we live together and um, reconcile and um, receive each other and, and show mercy? Like one of the one of the greatest gifts actually that. Um, community life has given me is to be able to see that I'm still lovable even in my weakness so like my sisters see my weakness because I just I can't hide it from them right I live with them all (laughs) the time and um, but it's such a gift because they when they have mercy on me it reminds me of God's mercy for me um, in my weakness Um, so that's one of the one of the greatest gifts of community life Um, but then yeah we have a lot of fun fun together as well of course yeah Um, yeah Um, yeah, I guess kind of diving more, maybe more into like your community life, just like your like day to day. Um, what does that like look like for, I would say like maybe a normal, like, you know, pre COVID, (laughs) uh, day or, or like week. What does that look like? like? What are community times? Yeah. Yep. So our prayers are communal. We'll have silent holy hours, but then we'll always end with like chanting the liturgy of the hours together. And so, um, you know, if a sister wasn't there at a holy hour, she's going to be noticed. <laughs> and so a sister will go and be like, "Are you? do you feel sick? Or like, you know, and so there's beautiful accountability and it's easier to get up in the morning at 4.50 when you know that other sisters are also getting out of bed because we're all doing it together. Um, so there's definitely communal time of, of just being together in the chapel, even if we're in silence. It's like a beautiful gift of being with one another. And we yep, eat our breakfast and, and dinner together. And as a family, kind of, in a sense, we'll just sit around the table and um, talk for like an hour, basically, at, at those meals. Um, and then we share apostles together. And so sometimes, you know, we'll have two sisters in an office sharing different phones and doing different things. So we're kind of working together, even though we might not actually be talking to each other, but we'll, we'll kind of know what each other are up to. And... Um, for fun, we we do communal activities. We'll go hiking together. We'll play games. We love currently the game. It's kind of <laughs> sad to say we like the game Pandemic. <laughs> it's quite yeah. amazing, especially during during the COVID season. And we're like, wow, these all make sense. These like different roles that you play in things like quarantine specialist. And so we liked it before coronavirus existed. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we'll play like board games, um, that type of thing also on, especially the weekends, we like to celebrate the Lord's Day in a particular way. So Saturday nights and Sundays, we'll take time to be together as a community, whether that's playing cards um, or yep, going to the lake to experience the beauty. Um, so those community times, we have times of just like talking how, like, you know, sharing family news or just, I don't know, our highs and our joys of the day or different things. So um, it's just very natural, kind of like a family talks at, at supper time, hopefully. Um, we also do that um, just kind of in our day-to-day routine of, of our meals and our evenings and our apostolates. So we're, and you, you, as you know, we always have like another sister around. So um, another gift of our community life is 
when we're with another sister, it's easier to bring another person into like the joy that we have. Um, or you can imagine like a married couple when, when they invite another person into their conversation, it's just like a gift of, um, just more of a communal experience of, of love. And so, um, yeah, it's just a gift of always being with another sister. We, we'll, we always, I don't know, we're never alone. So um, it's also a gift. Mm-hmm. And we do, um, t- uh, one of my favorite weeks of the year is we do take a, a vacation um, all together. Well, actually, not the last couple of years. We've had to split into two groups. Uh, we go up to this place um, in Finland, Minnesota, and so there's this religious community um, out of Minneapolis. They're the Franciscan Brothers of Peace, and they have, um, it's like a spirituality center um, that they were gifted, and it's a beautiful place um, in the middle of nowhere, almost um, up by the Boundary Waters, and they have, um, yeah, enough places for about 12 of us um, to sleep, and they have a beautiful chapel, um, and so we, yeah, we have a lot of a lot of fun together up there um, every year. Um, spend a lot of community time together and um, but then part of our community life too is actually just like praying together and and even like part of community is like silence you know because we also we can't be together all the time otherwise we would drive each other nuts and <laughs> so even just like taking silence um, so part of our vacation is in the mornings we wake up um, on our own and we have the morning of just like silence you know um, you can read a book you can um, go on a kayak ride by yourself, you know, just to be with the Lord, time just time and space to just think and pray and reflect. Um, and then we'll meet together for Mass. Um, and then kind of the afternoon would be like a expedition somewhere, hiking or on the lake or something like that. So, yeah, so it's a balance definitely of um, both community time together, but then also um, community time with the Lord, with the saints, with the Trinity. Um, we need we need both for sure. Yeah. 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 That sounds awesome. <laughs> um and do you do all the sisters go on a silent retreat every year? Is that Yes, we do an annual retreat and usually we take it in the summertime or unless you like have vows or something that you're preparing for specifically. Um but we do eight day silent retreats and so Sisters might take that time different weeks um, with a group of sisters. So um, it might be in April or it might be in June. But um, we are very blessed to go away. And uh, we have spiritual directors that will direct us. So it's not just being silent for eight days straight. You're actually like in silence, but you're actually talking to the Lord and and actually processing a lot of things in your mind. You never actually turn off your mind. (laughs) Um, So it's actually a a greater sacred space of... um, being on retreat and it's also the gift of being on retreat with another and you actually feel closer to those sisters even though you haven't spoken a word to each other (laughs) for eight days (laughs) you just see each other and you're just like in this experience together and that's a very much a deepening of of a relationship also in in a a grace-filled way yeah that's awesome i I think the idea of like an eight-day silent retreat really scares (laughs) a lot lot of people um i mean i think it's one of those things where I was like, I was like, I know I can do it because I'm an introvert and I like like me time, but at the same time, it's like it's not like it's just me time, you know. It's <laughs> like kind of a spiritually intense period, yeah. but also like with like rest, like you like rest, but it's yeah. also yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think this time of COVID um, has been a time for us to all kind of think about silence because there's 
I don't know. I feel like in some sense there's more silence um, because maybe you used to watch sports a lot and now there's no sports, so what do you do? Um, or you used to, you know, go out with your friends and now you can't do that, so you're sitting at home. And um, But I don't remember where I heard this, but I, it was just this summer about, like, basically um, we as moderns, we see boredom as a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and we're always trying to, like, not be bored. That's, like, our goal, you know. Um, but actually, like, boredom can be a really good thing when it opens us up to conversation with God. Um, I think silence at first can be really uncomfortable because, right, we have to face the things that are inside of us um, that kind of bubble up, and we don't like that <laughs> because there's, yeah, there's anxieties, there's fears, there's regrets, there's memories that we don't want to remember, um, things like that. Um, but the gift of going on retreat is to be able to process all of that with the Lord and how he really enters in um, and, and like, heals those things. Um, and it's a lifelong process of learning how to be in silence and relating to the Lord. But, um, but yeah, it's such, it's such a gift. And I think, I don't know, I encourage all of you who are at home not knowing what to do today, like, take some time of silence, even if you don't know what to say to the Lord and it feels uncomfortable. Um, just challenge you to, to, to enter into the uncomfortability of the silence um, because there's a lot of grace there um, available, too. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, maybe one last question um, is uh, what what is maybe something, maybe your favorite spiritual reading or maybe something you're reading right now or something that you would recommend to the people, uh, to people at home listening? Hmm. Lots of things are coming to my mind. Um, I guess last summer... Um, I read for the first time um, this book called The Lord by Romana Gordini, and he's up for beatification, I believe, um, but he was a German who lived during the time, well, during um, the early part of the 20th century, um, so he experienced, you know, Nazism in Germany, um, and yeah, and this book really, uh, really spoke to me, just showing like the impact of the incarnation on history and on mankind and how me as a human person, um, how his incarnation uh, gives me the opportunity for redemption and glorification and even in all of my weakness. Um, and it just kind of shows like how he is Lord of history and Lord of, of all that's happening in our world. So I feel like maybe it would be a timely um, chance to read it um, during this COVID, uh, I don't know, time, era. I don't want to call yeah. it an era. That sounds like too long. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, so The Lord by Romana Gordini um, okay. is really, really good. Nice. My summer reads have been books by a priest named Father Jacques Philippe. He's a priest from France, and he's in a religious community called the Community of the Beatitudes, and he wrote several little shorter books, so they're definitely readable <laughs> and more easily to un easy to understand and uh, like apply it to your own life. And so my two top books this summer for, from him are Interior Freedom, and the other book is Searching for and Maintaining Peace. Um, you might have heard of those books earlier in the COVID realm, but, um, but they definitely are very timely, especially, I think, for our modern-day cultures, and also just he just speaks into what we, what we experience 
and how to, how we can actually choose um, interior freedom. We can actually have a choice of I might be feeling all of these things, but I can still choose um, to move forward in faith and and trust in the Lord. And so He has a lot of um, beautiful like images and practical um, I don't know advice in a sense in a way that it's easy to understand and um, yeah more accessible in my in my opinion. So. Father Jacques Philippe is a great author, and he has a lot of different books, but the two that I want to yeah, uphold are Interior Freedom and Searching for Maintaining Peace. That's awesome. Great. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, joining me today and yeah. uh, giving us all, all this good insight into the life of the handmaids, what it's like. <laughs> I'm sure many people have been like, man, I wonder what they're, you know, I wonder what what they're doing in there and, <laughs> and yeah. uh yeah yeah it's good there was a couple of weeks ago um i was just driving back from the from the shore and saw a group of sisters wa- walking <laughs> around and so I, was, I was like oh nice they're just go- going for a, n- a nice little walk on the, l- on the next to the lake so yeah. yeah i know uh i know this community is very blessed to to have the handmaids here and um yeah it's it's great to have just personally to have have you here so uh, thank you again for joining me and um, uh, thank you all for listening back home and we will uh, see you next week